we go again. The daily fantasy industry is back in the news. The New York State Attorney General has outlawed the sport in the state of New York. If you are a New York resident using a New York computer, you can no longer set your lineups on FanDuel, DraftKings, etc., etc. This is a big deal. This is the biggest state to outlaw the game. We've done multiple shows on this. The Millionaire Making Machine was the first show we did. The second show we did was called Using Skill to Win a Game of Skill, something like that. My original questions and concerns were as follows. If you go back and listen to those shows, starting in March, I've been saying that Daily Fantasy is a game of skill, but it's also gambling. It can be both because the definition of gambling is waging stakes on an uncertain outcome. Sports betting, poker, daily fantasy sports are gambling, and they are also games of skill. Now, daily fantasy sports in particular exists in a tenuous legal loophole. And so going back all the way to March, I've been curious as to why the industry continues to pour all of its profits into hyper-aggressive marketing campaigns, knowing that the industry itself exists in this tenuous legal loophole. This has been my perpetual curiosity. I've been asking this question and have received no answers for more than six months. And on the last show, after the scandal where the guys from DraftKings had created a scheme to play lineups on FanDuel with a slight competitive advantage, became a big story, big scandal. A lot of people thought it felt like fraud, even though it probably wasn't exactly fraud. It felt like fraud to a lot of people. And so my conclusion after talking about that scandal was that the daily fantasy sports as an industry, it may be the only industry that is actively seeking more regulation because regulation means legitimacy. Probably the only industry in America that should be seeking regulation while every other industry is running away from it. The daily fantasy sports industry was very unique in that regulation would be a good thing for that particular industry. But this industry, this game, this daily fantasy sports, it is a game of skill that hyper-aggressively markets itself like a game of chance. That's interesting to me because it's not just the volume of the marketing. It's not just the inundation of commercials and live spots on radio shows, podcasts, never-ending. It's the content itself. Play for free today and you can be a millionaire. So not only hyper-aggressively marketing the product, but also marketing it like a lottery, like a game of chance, while in the background claiming legitimacy based on the fact that it is a game of skill. It is a game of skill. It is not a game of chance, yet it markets itself like a game of chance. And I highlighted this conflict back in March. And so I find it curious now, now, in November, that there's this indignance about what New York's doing. The state looks around and says, hey, wait a minute. I've been watching these commercials. And this sounds an awful lot like gambling. Wait a second. We have laws on the book that prohibit gambling in our state. Wait a minute. There's indignance about this fact. And the indignance sounds like this. This is what I read yesterday in response to New York's move to, to ban the game. Oh, a state that runs a lottery is banning daily fantasy sports because it's gambling. 
That might be the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard. Ever? Really? Where have you been? Ever? Did you not see this coming? Private lotteries were abolished a long time ago. So if you're comparing yourself to a lottery and you're trying to survive, that's not a good idea. If you want to survive as a private enterprise, do not align yourself with lotteries. Do not compare yourself to a lottery. States have been running lotteries since before I was born. I mean, where have these people been? Gambling in this country has been a state-sanctioned enterprise for as long as I can remember. And daily fantasy sports is undoubtedly gambling, as I mentioned earlier. So again, why are we surprised? Why the indignance? I don't understand. New York banning DFS is probably the least surprising event of the year. Think about it. I mean, states like Washington have banned daily fantasy sports for years. The fact that now more states are banning it is probably the most obvious political outcome that you could possibly imagine. It's a political risk that has been self-evident surrounding the daily fantasy sports industry, again, for years. There are numerous political risks when you exist in this tenuous legal enclave. The only reason you are allowed to operate is because of a legal loophole at the federal level. But the political risks are federal, they're state, they're local. No industry has had more political risk than the daily fantasy sports industry. So when politicians start to meddle with your industry, why is anyone surprised? I don't understand. Yet now, now is the time. It's been banned in multiple states for some time. Yet now, the faux freedom fighters are coming out. Now they want to wave the signs protesting the injustice, taking away our freedoms. This will not stand. Hell no. You won't take away daily fantasy sports from me. Hell no. I must protect my right to lose money. I am protecting my liberty. My right to lose money playing a game on the computer. I am protecting my right to make income by fleecing other inexperienced fantasy players. By the way, the job title of professional daily fantasy sports player is not a real job title. You're a gambler. That's what a gambler is. A professional gambler is a professional gambler is a professional gambler. And all professional gamblers are, in reality, just degenerates. Professional poker players are degenerates. They just happen to find their way onto television and have been able to make a living because they're on television. But they are still degenerates, just like the Real Housewives of New Jersey cast are a bunch of degenerates. The outrage is unbelievable from these freedom fighters, the new freedom fighters coming out of the woods. Partisans united with their muskets and their flags picketing the state attorney general's office. Not actually picketing, just signing a petition online, clicking a button, and then forgetting about it, right? New York attorney general, you are ruining people's careers professional daily fantasy sports players ruined ruined settle down at worst the new york state attorney general is telling degenerates in new york to go get a real job that's what he's actually doing 
I like the name Degenerate because I the Degen is the shortened form and that is a label that has been commandeered by Daily Fantasy Gamers and I love it. I love that the Daily Fantasy Gamers commandeered that label and said, you know what? We're going to call ourselves Degens because that's what we are and we know that's what we are and we're going to wear this as a badge of honor and if we call each other Degens, that takes the sting out of it when the adults call us DGENs. This is a known social tactic. You enhance the morale of the group if the members of the group call each other by the social pejorative label for the members of the group. This is a known phenomenon. It doesn't take away the fact that these are gambling degenerates playing and gambling, and that's it. And the New York State Attorney General said, no, we're going to go ahead and outlaw that now. And then you hear the name calling of the attorney general. Oh, he's just grabbing headlines. Oh, he's just a typical politician. He's just trying to bolster his career by targeting a well-known embattled industry. Why is that industry so well-known at this point? Is it because of the hyper-aggressive and annoying marketing campaigns? Is that why the industry is so well-known? Why is it embattled? Is it because DraftKings employees initiated a scheme that felt like fraud to a lot of people? <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. And the New York Attorney General of all people is being accused of lacking principle, only caring about furthering his career. Really? I've never heard that about a New York Attorney General. That's a new one. Actually, contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter or email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Can you name an attorney general of New York back through time whose principles weren't trumped by fame and recognition? I mean, hello? That political office has been a caricature of fame chasers before Rudy Giuliani. I don't even know when. As long as I've been around... That office has been notorious, a well-known rung on the political ladder, particularly in the Northeast. That is exactly what you would expect the Attorney General of New York to do. Prosecute a well-known embattled industry in order to ingratiate himself with the public and grab newspaper headlines. I mean, what? Shocking! Surprise! What? Like, everything about this story is just so obvious. <laughs> oh, but he's being so arbitrary. Oh, but he's being such a hypocrite. Because New York runs its own lottery. Uh, of course he's a hypocrite. Of course this new rule is arbitrary. What do you think government is? That's what government is. Government traffics in hypocrisy. Government implements arbitrary rules and regulations every day. That is the job of government. Again, why are you surprised by this? <laughs> the shock and the outrage now is... It makes me laugh. Because it's the least surprising event ever by the least surprising individual in society. There are 10 news channels on your television right now devoted to highlighting government hypocrisy and arbitrary morality. You do know that. Like, this is every day in our society. I mean, 
Is that all you do? You only do daily fantasy sports. You're only on DraftKings and FanDuel all day. You don't participate in this wider thing called America, right? <laughs> Have you never looked around? <laughs> what? Of course this was all going to happen exactly how it is playing out. <laughs> I mean, it's... I, I was just... Last night, I was on social media just laughing, cackling hysterically at these freedom fighters that were newly inspired to take action. The surprise, the faux outrage. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. It's like... Where, what hole did these people crawl out of? <laughs> they think that New York banning Daily Fantasy was a surprise. <laughs> that the New York Attorney General would be a hypocrite and take arbitrary government action. <laughs> surprise! Contact the show at Roto Underworld. Email the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Were you one of these people that was surprised by this? Did this catch you off guard? Really? I want to know. Tell me if it caught you off guard and how it came to be that it caught you off guard. People say I broadcast from a bunker what bunker were you living in that this somehow caught you off guard contact the show i'm dying to know it's crazy it's hilarious why am i laughing because this also needs to be said because there's so much self-serious commentary about this scandal about these the events of the last 24 hours in the daily fantasy sports industry let's get one thing straight dfs is not a big deal it's not it's really not. I mean, because you're in it, and it's what you do all the time, it's your environment. So because you're in it, you think it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. A lot of things in this world, again, if you look around, if you experience the world, you'll find that there are a lot of things in this world that are actually a big deal. Daily fantasy sports is not one of them. And if you're one of these DFS pros... <laughs> I can't even take this professional daily fantasy sports player. I mean, just write that down. Is that what you write down when you're filling out forms? Occupation? Daily fantasy sports player? <laughs> Can you write that down with a straight face? Or do you just start to scribble because you're laughing at how ridiculous that label is? Professional daily fantasy sports player. <laughs> the bottom line is, as ridiculous as that sounds... If that's what you are, your income comes from gambling. It does. Again, we started the show with the definition of gambling from Webster's Dictionary. So it's undisputable. And whether it's outlawed or whether it's state-administered, gambling is prohibited from the private sector. It is. It's either prohibited or regulated. So this idea that daily fantasy sports was going to go on into perpetuity unregulated is absurd. It's also hard to call daily fantasy sports, the platforms, DraftKings, FanDuel. It's hard to even think of these as businesses because they're not managed like businesses. I have experience helping to run businesses. And DraftKings and FanDuel are not managed like businesses. They are managed like schemes. That is a fact. 
And that's been my question all along. That's been my one burning question about this industry for over a year. It's what I asked on that first show that I did in March. And it's the question I can't get answered. Why are DraftKings and FanDuel participating in blatant blitzkrieg marketing tactics? As if the world will end next month. The overzealous blitzkrieg marketing strategy that DraftKings implemented, and then I think FanDuel had to follow suit as a competitor, I've always found it very curious. Because... The industry exists in this political enclave. You would think they would want to keep a low profile, but they have done the opposite. DFS sites have been taunting every state attorney general for years with their advertising. And again, it's not just the volume of the advertising. It's also the content of the advertising. Play for free now and win a million dollars. Trying to sound like a lottery. Weird. Just a weird phenomenon. They would do that. Understanding the environment in which they exist, in which they are allowed to exist, to have that marketing strategy, I always thought it was just bizarre. I always felt like it was a bizarro alternate reality when I would see these daily fantasy sports commercials. Knowing what the consequences would inevitably be, uh, it blew my mind. Again, taunting every state attorney general because all these states have gambling laws on the books and your commercials make your product sound like gambling. Just weird. Weird. And that's not running a business. It's just not. If your business exists in this dubious legal enclave at the federal level, at the state level, then that marketing strategy does not have long-term sustainability. You're running the business Again, it's hard to even call it a business. You're running the scheme as if the doors will shutter at any moment. Let's soak up every last dollar from the public we can before they shut the scheme down. That's been the implied attitude behind this marketing strategy all along. And it's been curious to me because I've asked the question, do they know what they're doing? Are they clever? Are they just squeezing the lemon as quickly as possible? smashing the lemon actually as quickly as possible to get the last drop of lemon juice out of the lemon before the scheme is shut down? Do they know the end is coming soon and that's why they're being so aggressive? So are they clever in that way? Or were they arrogant? Did they just think that they were above the law for some reason? Or was it just ignorance? Or were the people running DraftKings, running FanDuel, did they just not know any better? Did they just not understand the political risks? Were they just ignorant? I don't know. That was my original question back in March. Are they clever, arrogant, or ignorant? It's one of the three. I asked that question. No one had an answer for me then. No one has an answer for me now. Because DraftKings and FanDuel have had a choice. All along, they've had a choice. You can either invest your profits... In product improvement and new products and services and, and facilitate long-term growth, market expansion, or you can invest in marketing to gain a short-term market share advantage on the competition. And DraftKings in particular chose the marketing strategy, siphoned close to 100% of their profits back into marketing. But they are different. FanDuel and DraftKings, they're a duopoly. I get it, but they are different because... DraftKings, from the jump, was more aggressive than FanDuel. 
was more cavalier than FanDuel, buying up competitors and marketing with reckless abandon. Whereas FanDuel has been acquiring some technology companies. They've been investing in the platform. They've been more focused on long-term growth and sustainability, clearly. But when you have DraftKings operating with reckless abandon, pouring all of its profits into marketing, if you're FanDuel, it doesn't pay. It's not feasible to invest in R&D. You just can't. You have to keep up with what DraftKings is doing. So even if FanDuel chose to devote only 80% of its profits to advertising and marketing, soon they were spending 95% of their profits on advertising and marketing just in response to what DraftKings was doing. But they're always thought of as this one entity, this duopoly. But I have to recognize they are two different things. DraftKings is absolutely run with a more cavalier and aggressive attitude. Also less responsible than FanDuel. I mean, FanDuel is the platform that I know has spent some money on R&D. They purchased technology companies to build a better user experience and to broaden the reach of their platform in an organic way, in ways that DraftKings has not. DraftKings has been racing to gobble up market share as quickly as possible because DraftKings has been the little brother and FanDuel has been the big brother, the market leader. FanDuel is like the cool older brother, right? DraftKings is like the smart-ass younger brother who's always getting into trouble and then getting bailed out by the older brother. Aw, gee, Wally. The New York State Attorney is not going to let people place bets in New York anymore. What are we going to do? All right, that's enough of that. We're not going to spend an entire show on the daily fantasy sports industry's demise yet again. We're not going to have three total shows 100% devoted to talking about the industry. Let's provide some actual information about fantasy players. How about that? So I'm taking a stand right now. We're, we're stopping the conversation. I don't even know what my point was. I'm not even going to draw any more conclusions about this. We're just going to move on. Jay Cutler looks like the best version of Jay Cutler I've ever seen. Jay Cutler right now at this moment has the best passer rating of his career, 89.6. Also, he has the fewest turnovers per game of his career. So Jay Cutler, in the year of the old man, has figured it out at age 32. We talked about this weeks ago, that Jay Cutler was that year of the old man quarterback. Like James Jones, Jay Cutler has figured it out in his early 30s. That's very old for a football player. That's a very late age to figure it out. It's unbelievable. But I am buying Jay Cutler in redraft, absolutely. If I can pick him up or do some creative trade where I end up with Jay Cutler, I'm doing it. But here's where the value proposition is most attractive with Jay Cutler. Dynasty. He's only 32 years old. These quarterbacks are playing into their late 30s. Jay Cutler has five years left if he can continue playing like this. And they say, oh, Adam Gase. Adam Gase has provided him with structure. No, he didn't. Stop giving the credit to Adam Gase. Adam Gase doesn't deserve the credit for this. Because Adam Gase comes in with structure. And if Jay Cutler isn't ready to listen, then Adam Gase is going to be like all the other offensive coordinators that came in with a playbook and structure. It had nothing to do with Adam Gase. Nothing that Adam Gase said to Jay Cutler was any different than the other offensive coordinators that have come into the 
Chicago Bears facility and failed to get through to Jay Cutler. You don't think they tried to get through to Jay Cutler? You don't think the other offensive coordinators of the past came in with structure for Jay Cutler? No, of course they did. Now is just the time that Jay Cutler realized, oh, it's time for me to grow up. Oh, it's time for me to listen to my coaches. He just had that epiphany at this moment. Adam Gase just happened to be the offensive coordinator when that epiphany happened. That's it. The credit goes to Jay Cutler for his personal growth, not Adam Gase. Get out of here with this Adam Gase silliness. You just want to believe that the guy that has no power to control anything, you, the fantasy football player, want to believe that he somehow has some control over Jay Cutler's behavior and Jay Cutler's performance. He doesn't. They're calling plays out of the West Coast offense playbook, and Jay Cutler is executing in ways he wasn't able to execute before, and that's a credit to Jay Cutler and Jay Cutler alone. Now, the position where there's the most year of the old man examples, tight end position. Look at Ben Watson. Ben Watson is a top 10 tight end this year because he's on a high-volume offense. If you're one of the top three receivers in a high-volume offense, and that's what Ben Watson is, you're going to be a productive fantasy player. You're absolutely going to be a valuable tight end commodity if that's the role you play in a high-volume offense. But you know who's been even better than Ben Watson? on the Saints, Willie Sneed. And Willie Sneed's been demonstrating great efficiency in 2015, and his volume has been increasing. He and Ben Watson have been tethered together. Their ascendance has been happening in unison. Willie Sneed had 10 targets on Sunday. That was more than even Ben Watson had. Ben Watson had been, and Willie Sneed have been trading off like dueling guitars, dueling banjos. Who's going to be the target leader this week? And last week, Willie Sneed, on those 10 targets, 9.5 yards per target. And I keep hearing that Brandon Cooks is rounding into form, right? Yeah, Brandon Cooks is rounding into form. Sure, okay, but it's too late because Willie Sneed has a top 15 production premium on playerprofiler.com, the situation agnostic efficiency metric. Willie Sneed has been more efficient and more productive than Brandon Cooks this year, and they're both young players. They're both under 25 years old. And Willie Sneed's profile, his athleticism, his college resume, his playing style, it's looking more and more like Antonio Brown, while Brandon Cooks looks like Emmanuel Sanders. That's a compliment, too. Emmanuel Sanders is good, but he's no Antonio Brown. And Brandon Cooks is good, but he's no Willie Sneed. So the target totem pole in New Orleans is Willie Sneed, then Brandon Cooks, then Ben Watson. And then I think it's arguable between Brandon Cooks and Ben Watson. That's how good Ben Watson's been this year. Ben Watson... He runs a 4.57. His height-adjusted speed score is 114.8, 90th percentile. He was a first-round pick out of Georgia. He's always been a super athlete at the tight end position. He was just playing behind Jimmy Graham for many years. And he's aging well. Antonio Gates has aged well with some assistance. But Ben Watson, like other tight ends, Tony Gonzalez played, he was almost 40 years old. So it's possible for tight ends to play into their late 30s. And Ben Watson is 34.9 years old, and he's been a top option in fantasy this year. And I think that's going to continue for the rest of the year. Top 10 tight end. But I also think that next year in Dynasty, Ben Watson will also be usable. I think Ben Watson is seen as this expendable one-year asset in Dynasty, and I'm not so sure. I think he could be valuable next year as well. Again, Tony Gonzalez played until he was almost 40 years old, and his last year with the Falcons was one of the best years of his career. So it's been done before, and Ben Watson has the athletic profile and the history of productivity to support that. Continuing. 
Another year of the old man that we've been talking about, Gary Barnage. He finally fell outside the top 12 tight ends last week. Weeks three through eight, Gary Barnage was a tight end one in fantasy. That's an incredible streak. And I blame Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel is not a good quarterback, and he never will be. Yet many analysts are grading on a curve. They're reporting that Johnny Manziel looks good, quote-unquote. He looked good against Cincinnati. No, he didn't. He was 15 for 33 with a 5.1 yards per attempt. That's awful. Johnny Manziel is a 5'11 college gimmick quarterback who Mike Evans propelled to a Heisman. I don't think Manziel will ever be a quality NFL passer because I don't believe in alcoholic dwarf unicorns. And anyone that's hanging on to Johnny Manziel and Dynasty is clinging to a myth. You might as well cling to Owen Daniels in Dynasty. Unlike Ben Watson, Owen Daniels doesn't have a future in Dynasty Leagues. Even though last week, Owen Daniels, six catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Owen Daniels, year of the old man, right? 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 No, no. Owen Daniels has been terrible this year. He has been one of the least efficient tight ends in the NFL. He is the counter-argument. He is the anti-example when we're talking about the year of the old man. That was a one-week anomaly by Owen Daniels because Vernon Davis only played a handful of snaps because he just arrived and he's learning the playbook. He will be up to speed next week, and the job will be Vernon Davis's, not Owen Daniels. Keep him on the waiver wire. But I am continuing to stash Virgil Green on my dynasty taxi squads because... Again, the year of the old man may continue into next year, and we might see a late 20s breakout by Virgil Green. If Gary Barnage can break out at age 30, then Virgil Green can break out at age 27, 28. Darren McFadden had four useless seasons in Oakland before he had a rebirth in Dallas. Darren McFadden is supposedly injury prone, and there's a long history of running backs who are hurt early in their career but became more durable over time. So I'm not surprised that Darren McFadden has suddenly found health. He hasn't found the fountain of youth. He's still only 28 years old. He's found the fountain of health. It's been a career renaissance for Darren McFadden, and it's not that surprising. Darren McFadden's percent of team carries over the last three weeks is as follows. 70% of carries, 66% of carries, and then 100% of the team carries last week all went to Darren McFadden. But I keep hearing, oh, Darren McFadden can't handle the workload. Yes, he can. Don't waste a roster spot on Kristen Michael or Rod Smith. I'm betting on Darren McFadden being an RB1 and being healthy the rest of the season because of Wolf's Law. Go ahead and look it up. Go to Wikipedia. Look up Wolf's Law. It states that the older humans become more durable over time. And it was originally posited by Wolf to explain the phenomenon that pack mules in the mountains, can carry heavier packs as they get older because their bodies get hardened to the rigors of the experience. Darren McFadden's body is now hardened to the rigors of the NFL experience. It's taken years. He's gone through sprained foot, sprained knee, sprained hip, sprained shoulder, sprained everything. But all those experiences have hardened Darren McFadden to the NFL experience. And because of Wolf's Law, I believe Darren McFadden will be an elite fantasy asset for the remainder of 2015.